Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. No matter where you're listening, around the world, this is Sedona Talk Radio. And hello, hello everyone out there in the big world. This is Helena, Helena Steiner-Hornstein. I'm back with you yet one more time, and uh, hopefully I will through the spring and summer <laughs> again. And I had such a nice time here before the show started to uh, talking to my guest, and uh, we almost, almost forgot the time. So I have Elaine started with me, uh, and Elaine wrote a book about single moms, and uh, I'd like you to talk about your book, and I will ask you questions, and it's really nice of you to be with me today. How are you, Elaine? I'm fine, thank you, and thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you so much, and I must say I loved your book. It was entertaining, of course, at the time when you lived through all this, being a single mom and having all the problems with dogs and maids and nannies and everything else. It probably wasn't that fun, (laughs) but reading about it afterwards, it was very, very entertaining. How come you wrote the book? Well, I had been saying to my son all along because I was – traveling and away from home a lot and I you know and we had different nannies and some were good and some were inexperienced and I kept saying to him when I retire I'm going to write a book about how we survived seven nannies in seven years and he kind of looked at me and said where you get this we stuff I survived (laughs) (laughs) that was good (laughs) and because you know it's funny when I retired then I I had worked my whole life, and to be honest with you, I didn't know what to do if I wasn't working. So I sat down and I started to write the book, Mom's the Word, Silent No More by, you know, Elaine started. So um, I started, I was going to, I talked about just the nannies at first, but then I said, you know, I really have to start with growing up. So I decided a memoir from the beginning of life because growing up in a family with nine children, uh, you were I, many, and it uh, was so interesting to read uh, about the bathroom situation with all these many children. How did you manage? Not easily, as you can see. The door was broken many times to the bathroom when one was taking too long <laughs> in there. Because <laughs> we had, we had upstairs, we had two bedrooms, a boy's bedroom and a girl's bedroom. And then downstairs was my mother and father's bedroom. There was one bathroom upstairs. And I tell you, it was in total demand all the time. There was one downstairs, you know, too. But uh, So that was interesting. But it really prepared me for a lot in life growing up with all the siblings because, you you know, you tease each other, you call each other names, you you just get tough, I think. And my father was a very he, – he really prepared us, too, I've got to say. He was uh, – you had a fight. He would always say, don't you ever start a fight out there, but if you someone starts it with you, don't you dare come home unless you finish it. <laughs> so he really... Was the Irish? Was your father Irish? He was, no, he was, a, he was British. Oh. Yeah, okay. his mom was from English, and his father was um, uh, from Nova Scotia, but British background. So there may have been some Irish back there, but um, basically, you know, British, yeah. Mm-hmm. So but he uh, here, you, yeah, here you grew up in this large family, and you just had one child yourself. Yes. Well, um, my I was my first husband. Who I think we talked about. I mean, we will talk about a little more. He, we had we we were not able to. We tried everything, couldn't get pregnant, and uh, they never really came up with a reason. So, bottom line is, the one child I have, uh, we adopted. And that took. He was an infant when we adopted him. He was only five weeks old. And um, it was probably one of the happiest days of our lives, to be honest with you. I mean, it still is. Because <laughs> yeah. I always, I always wanted children. I just adored, you know. He was just a light of my life, I can tell you. And we went to Brazil when he was an infant. So, you know, the first two and a half years. The only time I didn't work in my entire life was first two and a half years in Brazil. And why, just, why did you go to Brazil? You went with your husband at the yes. time? You were married at the time? Uh-huh. That's correct, yes. His business was, um, he was in advertising. I won't mention the company, but he was a very successful businessman. And um, he, um, 
you know, was asked to, uh, he was one of the youngest vice presidents the company had uh, had uh, promoted. And we had been in Japan for, as I said, for four and a half years prior to that, back in the States for three years and then to Brazil for two and a half years. And it was his business, yes, that took us to these uh, foreign countries. Mm-hmm. Was it hard to live with a child uh, in Brazil uh, and uh, being a mom there, did you feel it was hard? No, that actually turned out to be quite easy um, because, as I say, I wasn't working then. The only time I didn't work, and we had a live-in, we had actually a live-in gal, uh, and her sister used to come every day to help her. So we had really two, you know, helpers. And although they didn't speak any English, um, fortunately I had studied Spanish when I was in school, and Spanish and Portuguese, you know, we were able to get along. And communicate. My husband couldn't communicate with them, but uh, my son, <laughs> I mean, when he was, it was interesting how he started out. He'd be in talking to the the gals who lived in with us in, in Portuguese when he started talking. Then he'd come into the living room and talk in English if my husband was there. <laughs> I could still see him. He'd go in and my husband would say, well, would you go get me a Coca-Cola, get me a Coca-Cola. And little Matt would run in and say, oh, mama, papa, quiero Coca-Cola, por favor. And then he'd come running out and say, here you are, Dad. Now he's like two. That is wonderful. But children pick up so easily. I know I have sweet, I'm Swedish, as you may know. Yeah. And I have Swedish girlfriends here with, with children. And those children started to believe that all women would speak Swedish and all men would speak English because these Swedish women had their Swedish girlfriends over and we would all speak Swedish. So they uh-huh. just thought in general, ah, women speak Swedish. We have to learn to speak with them in Swedish and all grown men speak in English. So we speak English with them. So that <laughs> was now, in, in answer to your question, it was quite pleasant um, being in Brazil. You know, I'd get up in the morning and take him to the uh, club pool. And then when I was, uh, I, well, my husband had started drinking a little bit heavily when we were there. And um, when he had gone off to work, then I'd go home and I could, you know, let him take his nap with the nannies there, the gals who, well, I guess they're kind of, I can't refer them as nannies so much as, they were household help. Uh-huh. Then I'd go out and play tennis or bridge or whatever and come back when he was awake. And so it was really quite a nice so that life. Was, yes, so that was a nice luxury lifestyle. But it, it really was. did it? It happened. No, it didn't. Things happened. So, um, yeah, when we came happened? back to the States, that's when it really all hit me because all yeah. of a sudden I had to deal with it day in and day out, you know, the drinking. And uh, that really got to be... So that was what actually made the marriage fall apart, wasn't it? The drinking. Yes, it was. He was an absolutely wonderful person. He had the greatest sense of humor. He was extremely bright, extremely, extremely successful. But the drinking was progressing and progressing. And uh, you know, coming home sometimes two or three o'clock in the morning, so drunk, or calling me to pick him up because he missed his flight in the middle of the morning, and it just got horrendous. And at that time, I didn't have any living help. Yeah. So I, it was, and my son was still very young, so it it really got worse and worse, and then eventually I had to admit what was going on to myself yeah. and to others, you know. And, and then I really trust. Yeah. And then I tried. It was. And then I, you know, I couldn't leave him because I really still loved him. Yeah. And he was, like I say, I've had, we had had so much fun, and we had experienced so many things. So then I spent the next, I don't know how long, trying to get him the help that I thought he would need, you know, interventions and um, uh, rehabs and whatever you, and, you know, I was successful at some points, but he'd come right back and start again, so it was really uh, Do you have a good piece of advice? I know there are many single mothers who listen to my show, and I know that, of course, there are people who have drinking problems in their families. Uh, someone is having a drinking problem. And I know I had a husband uh, when I was just recently married to, to, to one of my husbands. I was, we were staying at the hotel, and I went into the bathroom, and I just uh, lifted up the laundry hamper and saw a big bottle of, em- you know, an empty gin bottle. Mm-hmm. And I thought, my God, how did it get here? And I went to my husband with the bottle. I said, my, look what I found in the bathroom. 
and he laughed and said, oh, that must have been the chambermaid. She she must have a drinking problem and just put her bottle away. I believed him, but it was yeah. him, you know. Uh-huh. So uh-huh. I was in total denial about this, and, of course, then you started to see the signs afterwards. So, uh, and that is you, so typical, yeah. I'm sorry, you were going to ask me something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it, you mentioned before the show about the place where wives or husbands should look. Yeah. If anyone <laughs> has a drinking problem, where should they look, Elaine? <laughs> well, at one point I know, and it was I'd heard it was a uh, pretty prevalent place, is in the, toilet, the tank of the toilet. They could yeah. hide it there. That's after you've, you know, addressed it, and you, they know you know, and then the hiding starts taking place, and uh, that keeps it nice and cool and out of sight because not too many people open the toilet tank to look no, in. Not, no, they really don't. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's the place you can look then if you feel you have someone with a problem. Yeah. And uh, what do you recommend for wives who have this problem in their family? Should they stay uh, on and try to change the man or, or vice versa? If it's the, hus- the wife who has the problem, what should the spouse do? Hello? Hello. We got interrupted. Okay. And uh, I hope she's calling right back. Uh, as I said, she would because it does happen that one gets interrupted. And this would, and I would speak myself if you have anyone with drinking problem out there. You know, you cannot change a person who is drinking unless that person really wants to change. Uh, It's impossible to change a person who is not willing to change. It's up to them what is going to be, like with everything else. And I'll see if she's back on. Hello, Elaine. Hi. Uh And what's amazing, you just popped off. Um, I don't know why, but... uh, it's amazing. <laughs> I'm glad you told me that might happen. So I. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't anyway, happen always, but sometimes it does. And uh, I don't know if it's especially for internet radio or if it's uh, uh, just that it's me. <laughs> My strong energy. <laughs> I doubt that. I doubt that. <laughs> anyway, I yeah. guess you were saying what would I recommend? I think the the thing that really opened my eyes was going to Al-Anon. Al-Anon is a group that meets to a group of people who are married to alcoholics or family members of alcoholics, and they really enlightened me as to what was going on and how I needed to, you know, respond. And um, that's what brought me finally to, you know, having interventions for him and trying to get the help that he needed. And it's very successful at some t- with some people, and unfortunately... Uh, it wasn't with my former husband, but it certainly was peace of mind in knowing I wasn't alone in this world. Yeah, and understanding nice to know you're not alone. Yeah. So now you uh, you divorced him because you were um, uh, you had a problem, and uh, now you were a single mom. What was the first thing that happened that you realized after being a single mom? Well, I can tell you one thing. I said to myself is that. I am never going to get married again until I am financially stable myself <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> because I I knew I knew too many women that had jumped into another marriage to take care of to be taken care of. Yeah. And I said I'm never going to put myself in that position. And I really was thinking I was going to wait till my son graduated from high school at least because then uh that's another problem that marriages have second marriages, finances and children of previous marriages. So that was my mindset, but I knew, I also made the decision that because my husband had a drinking problem and at that point had lost jobs and he was out of work, that I would have no income from him. And I did not want to move my son out of the town that we were in because I thought it was just going to be difficult enough to, you know, just to be in a divorced family. So that was my goal, to find the job that could financially support us to stay there where we were, and uh, and I lucked out and did, you know, but as I said, unfortunately, it did require a lot of traveling, and it was a lot of international traveling as well as domestic. Australia, you know, for three or four weeks that, at a that time. That is as far away as you can go, you know, That's right. uh, with, as a single mom, and you had to leave him behind. That's of right. Course. So, what, uh-huh. so what, I, what did you do? 
I have to tell you the one thing with Australia, because that was the furthest that I had to go, and the longest in the beginning. And the first time I went, it, uh, I was beside myself, missing him, and, you know, just the time span. I couldn't even talk with him for the most part. He'd be asleep when I'd be up. So the next time I had to go, um, I had a nanny that I did not trust. So I put my trip off until he was out of school and I could take him with me. And that's what I said to, you know, I said, the company, I'm not going until I could take my son with me. So I hired a lady, a gal who was a college student, to come to the hotel to be with him. He was 11 at the time, at that time. And I still remember, I said to him, now, if there's any place in the whole world you'd like to go, where would it be? He said Hong Kong and uh, Hawaii. Ah, on the way. <laughs> so we went to Hawaii on the way, and um, he wanted to uh, do some diving. He had heard about diving, and he loved diving, he loved swimming and all that. So I brought him to a diving little place and filling out the form, how old is he? And I wrote, you know, he's 11. And when they read the form I filled out, they said, well, I'm sorry, we can't do it until he's 12. It's against the law. Well, my son was so upset, and he started crying. And I said, look, honey, we're coming back through Hawaii, and you know what? You're going to be 12 then when I fill out those forms. (laughs) You can fill in the forms right. My daughter was in the same situation, but she actually graduated from this particular school when she was 11. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I did keep him with me that time, and from then on, I just talked the company into bringing uh, all of the people to the States for training in this new product, because I wasn't going to go for three weeks at a time anymore. So that's how I solved that one, and that worked out very nicely. But it was it was hard. You know, there were times I was going to Paris quite often, because we were building a, a training center there, and I would, but I would not be as far away, and I wouldn't be... Um, gone so long so but so then they had telephone you telephoned him a lot or did you oh yes i did yes i did Uh uh-huh as much as i could Mm -hmm. how did you get over the feeling of guilt you must have had some kind of guilt feeling of guilt when you left your son son behind and and uh, you better believe it i can tell you that that was probably the biggest thing i i just because I would just overindulge him. I can tell you that right now. I would feel so guilty. I'd come home and whatever he want. I mean, I was taking him into the theater in New York City. I was taking him to circuses and any toys he wanted, I'd buy. Or, and I realized it. I didn't realize at the time, but in retrospect, that's what I was doing to relieve the, the, guilt. the guilt that I was feeling. Because I really missed not being there when he came home from school. You know to talk about what had happened during the day. Now, it wasn't that I wasn't there at times, because obviously I was home, you know, uh, a lot of the time, too. Did but I think it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry, did he say afterwards that he missed uh, you not being there, or did it not really matter to him too much? Uh, it mattered to him, but he didn't... I don't, I don't think he was able to verbalize it, except um, what would happen, what I started noticing was that when I was away on a trip, he would be sick and didn't want to go to school, so he'd be home. Oh, yeah. And that's when I uh, connected, you know, that um, that was the way he was dealing with it, yes, that uh, he, he, didn't, he didn't cope well, and it was the fear of, you know, being alone, but you didn't. And that's when I really, like I say, started cutting back on my travel as much as I could. I really did. Yeah. But uh, I've... I could I could sense, you know, the, him feeling well. In fact, I remember one time, I'll share this with you. I haven't really shared this too many times, but... Okay, now we're just a few thousand. <laughs> yes, oh, my God. <laughs> but because the names are all changed, I'm okay. <laughs> um, he, um, one night, was putting him to bed, and he said, oh, I could jump out that window and no one would even care. And oh, I, really? Uh-huh. And I said, that's not true, honey. What, why are you saying that? Anyway, we put up... We were up till about 2 o'clock in the morning and going through this. He was feeling so alone. And I said to him, I want to tell you something right now. I will go in tomorrow morning and quit my job, and I mean it. And I will get something here locally that doesn't have any traveling. I said, now, you do have to understand that we may have to move because we were in an expensive neighborhood, expensive uh-huh. area, town. Uh-huh. 
And we talked about it, and I said, no, I'm serious. I, I really mean it. Make a long story short, after about two or three hours, the two of us sitting there hugging each other and talking and all that, he looked at me and said, Mom, you better get to bed because you've got to get to work in the morning. He did oh, not yeah. want to move. And that was the beginning of him changing. It was so interesting, you know. That is interesting. Yeah. So maybe uh-huh. this is what mothers out there also, they have to ask their children to be part of the decision-making. That's what mm-hmm. you did. You know, yeah. you put him in a place of responsibility. Yeah, I did, how and I was, meant it. I'm not kidding you. I meant yeah. it, you know. So, how has he turned out um, now? He's a grown man now, I, I take Yes, it. yes. And he is um, very successful, you know. Um, I can't say any more. I mean, he's no, um, well-educated. Is he he's done very. He, uh-huh. unfortunately, is divorced, but he has a little boy. And he has custody of the little boy, so, so yeah. that's nice. So then he is actually a single parent. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. And so I've it's in to... reverse. So he knows a little bit more how to take care of that. That's amazing how. Oh yeah. How fate does that—that <laughs> that, um, he is now the single parent and. Uh, yeah, I tell you another part that's kind of interesting about that. I'm talking about the Navy. I'm going to get into the other funny stuff with the dog. But um, yeah. what was interesting another time is, you know, after my husband and I were divorced, my husband had moved to Florida with a woman. And he, you know, in the summertime wanted our son to come down and visit with him and here and that. Make a long story short, um, I felt very uncomfortable because I knew he drank a lot, and you know, and so did this woman he was living with. So I saw a therapist. I said, what am I going to do? I don't feel comfortable. She said, well, if you hold him back from seeing him, he may end up blaming you, you know, when you're an adult. I mean, when he's uh, later. So I would let him go, but we had other family down there, so I knew I had uh, some, you know, contact close by. But what happened uh, twice in a row is that I ended up getting a call from my son because his father was drunk and he was frightened, and I would have to fly down and fly him back up north. Well, it was the second time that that happened. I had this woman have him at the airport the following morning early. I booked my flight, went in, and met him at the airport, and her. I thanked her, and then we were flying back. It was at that time we were sitting there waiting for our flight back up north that he looked at me and said, now I know why you divorced him. And that was an eye-opener for him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, I have heard myself from my uh, grandchildren that, uh, of course, uh, being with a single mom, that uh, particularly the teenager, she said, you know, it's just as well not to have a dad around. All my girlfriends complain about their dads, and they have nothing but problems at home. <laughs> <laughs> well, like they say, it's not the uh, not the quantity of parents; it's the quality of the parents, right? Yeah. So one pair. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I do have to say the good, funny part about it is when I started this job, I said to my son, you can have, I'm going to let you get a dog because we had just put our Irish setter to sleep. He was old. I said, you can get anything but a beagle because you're an only child, so this will be your sibling. Why well, didn't you, you want a beagle? Well, because we had had a neighbor that had one next door. And uh-huh. it howled all night, and everybody in the neighborhood was kind of like, oh, my God. Yeah, they oh do. They make those sounds, too. Yeah. That's right. Well, you know what we fell in love with? We went to the kennel, and we fell in love with the beagle, and we ended up with a beagle. <laughs> and wait, there you go. Never say never. <laughs> never say never. Let me tell you. I didn't even know it was a beagle at the time. I said, oh, he's so cute. He's so cute. Oh, we love him. Oh, yeah, we're going to take him. What kind of dog is he? He's a beagle. But, oh, my gosh. Anyway, we ended up with him. He brought more joy to our home, and he brought more misery to our neighborhood. <laughs> but actually, everybody laughed about stories. it. Yes, I would love to hear dog stories. I mean, yeah. uh, what what he actually did to you all, good or bad. <laughs> well, we couldn't let him out until school started because he used to steal the lunch bags of the little kids going to school. Oh. So that was number one. Then he found out that restaurants are pretty good. So he hit every restaurant in town, and I can't tell you he how He ran many. away from home and, and oh. went to restaurants? Oh, yeah, because he'd, he'd just he'd go right downtown, because, you know, we were in a small town, I mean, small area uh-huh. town, and, you know, yeah. just good, maybe a mile and a half down the road to the little oh. town, and he'd go into the Chinese restaurant and steal food there. He'd go into the chicken place and steal food there, and <laughs> they'd chase oh, wow. him. He got so fat. 
we used to have to put them in the kennel (laughs) on a diet for a week at a time to, you know, uh, have them lose weight. In fact, he got so fat at one point he was crawling, not crawling, but walking up the street to go home after having had a It's hard to run away, you know, uh, if you're a thief. (laughs) (laughs) We had a woman that stopped, I was at work, and a woman stopped her car because uh, she saw this big dog walking up, uh, and he had little short legs, I mean, but, you know, big belly. She thought it was a pregnant uh, ma- uh, pregnant beagle. She oh. stopped and looked at his tag to see if we could get she could get somebody to come help because this poor dog was going to be having puppies soon. So she saw the kennel tag on the dog and called the, t- the kennel that we used said, I've got this pregnant dog here. Could you call the owner and tell him, you know, that where she is? So, make a long story short, they started laughing their heads off. That's not a pregnant female. That's Briggs. He's just overweight. <laughs> <laughs> so he went back in for another, you know, diet. <laughs> I said, Whatever, one of the, you know, you talk about diet places here. Yeah. Made it. But the woman didn't look too hard, though. I mean, she could no. have seen what Yeah, no, she just went to the tag. She was probably, you know, oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, you couldn't see too much because when that belly hangs down, you know. Oh, wow. At any rate, he did bring a lot of joy to our home, I've got to say that. He's yeah. made us laugh and everybody else. The dog brought you a lot of joy. What about all those nannies? I understand you went through a nanny a year. I mean, seven years, seven nannies. <laughs> that yeah. is uh, quite an achievement, uh, and I don't in any way blame you. I had nannies. I know what you have gone through. So uh, what 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 is it that uh, is wrong with us that we don't match somehow the right nannies? I don't know. You know, they didn't have the agencies. They Actually, they did have some back then. But, you know, in the beginning when I was first starting to work and all that, I didn't have the money to pay uh, for somebody to uh, search and do this and that. I basically got names from other people, and then I'd call, and I would make some reference calls. There's no question about it. Um, but and, is there a quality that you feel is uh, uh, something that is lacking or that uh, these uh, – they were probably were the young girls who wanted to get, get away from home maybe? Mostly that's what I think I, uh, that I ended up with, to be real yeah. honest with you, yes. Mm-hmm. So they were and, really not ready to be nannies. Exactly. Uh, they were not uh, – they didn't have the experience, so you were lucky it wasn't actually worse – uh, than what it was. Um, do you have a, a real uh, terrible nanny story? I saw several here, and um, <laughs> well, I, I can I can you. tell you two that are that were a nightmare, but in different ways. One was um, it was the third nanny I had, and she was the daughter of a um, a man that worked for my company, and uh, they lived you know in in Europe. I'm not going to mention country on the phone. I mean, but. Um, he had we had been working together in Paris and training stuff, and uh, he called me one day and said, "You're not you don't happen to be looking for a nanny right now, do you?" I said, "Yes, as a matter of fact, I am. The one I have now was she was going to be leaving. You know, it's just her year was up kind yeah. of thing. They mm-hmm. would come for about a year." Yeah. And uh, he said, "Well, my daughter would love to come." Yeah. I said, "I can't believe how lucky I am." Yeah. Make a long story <laughs> short. <laughs> yeah. It was the most unlucky thing that ever happened. I only had her for like two months when I found out that she was a drug addict. She connected right away with drugs in Connecticut, uh, someone who was dealing with them. It was, it was a nightmare to get her uh, out. I waited till my son went to camp. I got him off to camp, and a friend came with me to um, stay at my house until she came home. I had called her father. I had her airline tickets and money and passport and everything, told him I was sending him home. He started crying on the phone. Yeah. He said, I'm so sorry. She was into it here, and I was hoping that if she left her friends that she would stop. And there goes back to that old geographical you know, change. You think a geographic change will change your way of living. Yeah. The alcoholics do it and, you know, drugs. He was, yeah. It was so sad. It, yeah. it was really, really, really sad. So anyway, I told him, you know, I'm sorry she didn't, and I felt badly for him. But she was on a plane. Let me tell you, the next day, 
And I was I was frightened out of my mind because she was hanging out with the people she was hanging out with. This is the thing, you know, they have those friends, and you don't know what the friends can do to you afterwards. Exactly, exactly. And but you had someone really wonderful. You must have had someone wonderful too. Oh, I did. The first one I had was wonderful, and and the 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 sixth one I had was wonderful. And you had a man. You had a young man. I had also. a young man. He was he was very nice. He was the fourth one I had. And he was Sweden. You know, we have correct. a lot of listeners from Sweden. And, uh, oh, okay. Well, my first three, I mean, first two were from Sweden, and then my fourth one was from Sweden. Oh, okay. And they yeah. worked out well. They worked out oh, yeah. well. Well, the second one from Sweden was the one that was kind of, the first one was wonderful. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. I loved her. And she came. And I'm and sure people in Sweden love to hear that. It's a very yeah. popular thing to go oh. to America to work with a family for a year or so. I loved her. And back when she got married, she came back and visited with us. And I, oh, she was wonderful. The second oh, one was just very shy and had had a lot of family problems. Uh huh. And she really, um, it was sad. She was a nervous wreck and broke out in hives all the time. And yeah. and then she turned into a sex pot. I told, I think I told you that. And one day I came up. She was very cute. And she had on her T-shirt was, you know, sleeveless with no bra. And <laughs> yeah, and that happens. That's yeah. What also. <laughs> and with that a little happens. boy, I yeah. kind of felt a little uncomfortable. <laughs> but and, the and boy I had in Sweden was very nice, too. He was very, oh. the guy, he was very nice. But, but he, he was, was uh, not very talkative, I understand. He loved to go in his room and just read, you know, and that was yeah. a sad thing because he was, I mean, he was reliable and he was, you know, I, I felt comfortable with him, safe and all that. But he wasn't one that would go out and throw a ball with my son or do something. You know, he just liked to go to his room and read. That's so, very Swedish, you know. Uh, Swedish men, and, and I hope Swedish men forgive me if you're listening to the show now, but they are uh, nice for the family, nice homebodies, but they're not really good party goers, you know, they're not joining the party that easily. Yeah. Okay. My experience of it. Well, that was exactly the experience it. here. Mm-hmm. So after him, then I decided to go to the Midwest and get my, I went to the Mormon churches and universities and got my first one from there. Now, she was something else, i got to tell you. Oh, yes, I read about her. <laughs> She's the one the first day I went to work, she drove, thought she hadn't reversed the car and drove it straight yeah. through the garage door. That was on the first day of work? That was the first day I had gone to work. I picked her up on a a Saturday or Sunday. And on Monday I went to work, and I had a phone call. I don't think I was – I wasn't in work very long. My administrative assistant said to me, you're not going to believe this phone call. (laughs) And my son explained it. He said, Mom, just picture someone looking over the back of their seat because they think they're going to go backwards. And all of a sudden – Gasses it, and you go through the garage door, and you're in the garage. You go forward. <laughs> the whole door was down. I wow. remember saying, calling garage companies the rest of that day, saying, "I don't care what you charge me, but I want that garage door fixed before I get home. Take a picture of it and show me, because it'll be cheaper than me having a psychiatrist for the rest of my life." <laughs> I didn't need that. Extra <laughs> no. And that was the beginning. It was just one thing after another with her, I'm telling you. She'd lose mm-hmm. the key to the car. She'd lost the key to the house. She brought her cat with her. She's the one that brought a cat with her. And oh, it was awful. That was yeah. the one that I had when I took my son to Australia with me because I did not dare leave him at home with her. Your intuition probably told you the right Ooh, thing. Oh, yes, you know. it did, yeah. Yes. Now, I don't know. <laughs> I have to say the other thing about being a single mom, and I'm, any single mom listening has got, we have a lot more chores, you know, than the, the two family, uh, our two parent families. I mean, not only did we have the work and, the and you know, being with our children and, you know, all of that, supporting them in every way, you know, school and all that, but I also had the outdoor work in the beginning of my house, pruning the trees, mowing the lawn, and the yeah, whole bit. Sure. Oh, yes. And, you forget mm-hmm. that because that's usually the father's uh, that's job. That's right. That's right. And then at some point around this, right after this one, actually, the, the gal I was just talking about, my first um, gal from the Midwest, I went out and I bought a drive-in mower because up to that point I was, you know, pushing an electric one. But yeah. I went out and bought a Toro, one that you drive. And I went over. I was so excited because it was going to take me just a short time to do the lawn now. 
And I bought it, and I said to the guy, now, can you, what time can you bring it over? He said, well, we can't bring it until Monday. I said, wait a minute, I need it now because I'm going to work on Monday, and my lawn's really up there lengthwise. He said, we can't deliver it until then because we need a flatbed. So I said, okay, I'm going to drive it home then. He said, you can't drive a mower on the streets. I said, oh, no, watch. <laughs> I called a friend of mine, and I said, would you come and meet me at you know, the store I was at? I want you to follow me because I'm going to drive my lawnmower home. Well, <laughs> I thought we, we were in stitches. The guy that I bought it from, I mean, he was like, I'm not even going to look. I don't even want to go. Well, we took off. We drove, uh, it was about eight, seven or eight miles home. That's a long way. It was a long way, and she was behind me, and everything was going okay. You know, I put sunglasses on and a hat because I didn't want anyone to recognize me driving a mower on the street. So as we were, all, I was almost home, and there was an elementary school there that was at the corner, and I said to my friend, I'll go through the elementary you know, yard so I just get off the street for a few minutes. So I did anyway, and as I went through the yard, there was a police car parked, and he looked up, and I guess he thought I was mowing the lawn at the school. Yeah. So I thought, oh, my God, what's going to happen? Anyway, as I got off and was going over the bridge, he saw that I wasn't doing that, (laughs) and he pulled me over. He said, what do you think you're doing? I said, well, I need to get my lawn mower home because I need to mow my lawn before I go to work tomorrow. (laughs) He said, you can't drive this on the street. I said, oh, please, officer. I just, I'm almost home. I'm only four blocks from my house now. i got to get home. I mean, I played this whole thing. And he said, all right, I'm going to turn around, close my eyes, and pretend I didn't see you. Just get home fast. What the heck? You had the driver's license. (laughs) I had nothing. Let me tell you again. It allowed. He just gave gave me a break. I got home. I was so excited to open the garage door. And as I did, (laughs) put it on um, forward, and I drove it, hit my car that was in the garage, and dented it a little bit. So... (laughs) Yeah, but but that was the greatest home, thing so I had from that yeah. point on. I'd just get out and whiz through the yard, you know. But yeah. that's another long-winded story about single moms and, you know, the extra things they have to deal with. Now, uh, when you're a single mom, are you treated differently by the other moms who have, children, you know, who have husbands? I've heard this from other single moms that they feel that, Oh, those mothers who have their husbands and everything, they kind of look at them in a special way. Did you notice anything of that? Well, I, you know, I had, the friends that I had were good friends that I'd had for a while. And because I was working, I really didn't socialize with, you know, moms that were home moms. It was mostly people that I worked with, you know, and and friends that I'd had for several years that I remained close with. As a matter of fact, there were... I'm trying to think. There's six of us that were single moms at the same time. Mm-hmm. We became very connected with each other. And I, I never had to. If I wanted to go to a movie on a Friday night, there was always one of us that would want to go. We played tennis together. You know, not all of us, but some of us. At Christmas time, we would go into Manhattan and have dinner together. You know, not not Christmas Eve or anything, but Christmas time, we'd go to Tavern on the Green and have dinner together. We celebrated each other's birthday. So that was, we're still, we're all married now, and yeah. we're all still friends. That's good. So, so you really didn't need the the other moms with the husbands and everything else. You had each other. Yeah, I never really even thought about it because I didn't miss it. I was, I guess I was so busy, you know, with between people I worked sure. with, friends, yeah. friends that I had had, and now this whole group of single women that I knew, you know. That. And we, like I say, we're still all we're still very close friends. <laughs> That's great. Mm-hmm. Now, um, your book. Can you mention your book and your website and your name and where people can get your book? Oh, I would Just love to do that for yourself. Yeah, plug oh, your book. Thank you. <laughs> okay. The title of the book is "Mom's the Word," and it's by E. M. Stoddard. That's S T O D D A R D, and it can be ordered. Uh, and Amazon.com or Barnes and Noble, you can any bookstore can order it. Uh, and it's, it's uh, yeah, Mom's the word silent no more. That's the subtitle of it. Now the website, which I think would be great to look at just to see if you you know, is web w e b dot me dot com 
forward slash Moms the Word. Now, that's the website where I have the picture of the, uh, well, the book cover, author's um, um, a history kind of thing, and um, uh, some of the uh, references and write-ups that I've gotten or whatever, and pictures of the dog. And I would love for the, any feedback. I mean, also my, uh, you know, just to, they have anything to say about the book and comments, I would love to hear them. As I say, I had written this. Can you give that website again because, you know, it was a little bit more, uh, you know, with a forward slash and so on. Maybe it was a little hard to remember. Okay. It's web, W-E-B, dot me, dot com, and then slash forward, Mom's the Word. No, okay. no spaces or anything. Mom's the Word, that's the title of the book. And Moms is it M O M S. M O M S the word. You're right. Thank yeah. you. I appreciate that. Yeah. So uh, uh, people are not always, uh, you know, you feel you're going to, I mean, I include myself in that. We feel, oh, yeah, I remember that. And then after the show, you forget it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know that. I just, um, I hope they remember it. <laughs> <laughs> It really is. I mean, it's it's funny because when I wrote it, like I said at first, I really was writing it for the family, you know, more than anything. And yeah. then they gave it the Reader's Choice Award, the Editor's Choice Award, the Publisher's Choice Award, and I said, wait a minute now. Huh. Maybe I ought to start thinking about, you know, marketing a little bit. And then everybody that's read it has just, I've really gotten good reviews, you know. Yeah, so, you, the uh, book is good. This is very nice. This is a book I would keep, if I have a guest, I would put it on their bedside table. Oh, for them to you. read. It, it's very, it's a pleasant book. It's not, uh, you know, those books that makes you feel bad. No, it makes you feel happy, you know, although you had your struggles and everything. It's not a critical book of anyone, and that's nice. You're not criticizing anyone. You seem to just be a matter of fact with a sense of humor about yeah. everyone, even if you were put in the spot here and there, which you were. <laughs> exactly. And it's funny because, you know, I, I always used to say it's not what we're dealt in life, it's how we deal with it. Yeah. And I think that uh, the sense of, sense of humor really helps everybody through difficult times. I still have people saying to me, they email me, I miss your laugh, I miss your laugh. And I guess I've laughed a lot, you know, I just, in spite of it all, um, I always look for humor and joke with people. And part of that was the way I grew up, I think, you know. But it makes such a difference to, um, yeah, we have hard times. But we need to laugh about these things, too. And that's very wise of you to say so. Yes, we have to laugh about uh, exactly. about our difficult times. Otherwise, it, it's you cannot really survive it. Now, your son is now a single dad. What is the difference, do you think, between a single dad and a, a single mom? Is it tougher for one or the other? I think it's. I think it is. I really do. Which one is it tougher for a tougher mom, for the mom or for the dad? I think for the dad because I don't think, you know, I don't know, think for yourself of who took care of the little children when they were growing up. Yeah. Mom really, you know, the dad does the fun things with them, go out and play some sports with them. and But... It's it's a whole um, learning, uh, it's a whole learning experience. I think that you know they can obviously successfully um, complete, but most men don't end up as single dads. Usually, the moms have the children. Yeah, and the dads it, have every in other. In this country, in this country particularly, I think now in the Scandinavian countries they have a different kind of arrangement they divide the children in the way that the the parents have to live close to each other and the children spend two weeks with the dad and two weeks with the mom and this goes through the year till they come away okay Uh uh-huh and that's okay if you live nearby each other yeah Mm -hmm. but um in the state, it doesn't work, both. of course, when you are different uh, different cities and different countries and everything yeah. else. But uh, and if moms, if moms, yeah, that's see, that's the thing that it's hard because if mom is being supported or has a job right there near his, see, all that comes into play is how we're going to be financially taken care of. Yeah. Um, I mean, I know people that are divorced and 
if the wife's working, she's living in one area because that's where she got a job. She needed extra to make ends meet. It, it depends on the finances a lot of it, too. And I think Americans are much more spread out, don't you, business-wise? Oh, absolutely. It's a bigger country. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, and it's, it's, it's different, you know. Sure. Yeah. When I grew up, my family was all around me. Nobody, you know, I was in Boston, and my family were all in Boston area. But what happened after that is so many of our large companies were transferring, you know, to Ohio or to California or to Florida. So the family moved, but then if there was a divorce, the wife may want to be close to her family and go back there. I don't know. It's just much more that stability of growing up and living in the same area doesn't exist in the United States anymore for the most part. I think, and here you have a bigger choice where to go afterwards. Europe, you you stay within your country, but here you don't have the same... Mm-hmm. need to stay within the same state. You have yeah. the whole country to choose from. Mm-hmm. So um, what is the uh, uh, thing you can recommend out of your own experience uh, to a single mom? Oh, boy. Well, hmm. I guess that I, I've said it before, but um, to have a sense of humor, and that's, it takes you through the most difficult of times in life. And to prove to yourself that you can make it on your own before you jump into any other relationship. I think that's very important, too. I really do. You know, what you said right now mm -hmm. is very, very good. You know, I've seen it uh, with others, and I see that uh, the sense of humor is not always there. You know, they Mm -hmm. are too busy to laugh at their situation. They're too busy and too tired to laugh about things. They think this is not funny. This is hard. So you did a really good thing when you said, you know, when you realize sense of humor is very, very important. It truly is. It truly is. I mean, you know, it takes you through those difficult times, like I say. And... um, Again, and I, not only for single moms. This is go, goes for all everybody. Of us at all times. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. In fact, I just—it's funny because I just got talk about. It. I still keep in contact with a lot of you know my old friends that live all over the place, and I just—I think I just said it, but this woman said to me she was ca- catching up with me. I used to work with her husband at the company and got to know her and her family well, and they live out in the Midwest now. But she said, "I can't tell you how much we miss your laugh. We don't laugh enough here." And I, it really hit me, you know. I thought, because everybody in my company, and no matter where I go, they all say, I knew you were in the store, I could hear you laughing. Now I know oh, I'm a little loud. <laughs> <laughs> or when I was in my company, they'd say, I heard you on the elevator on the first floor. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, obviously I have my tough times, too. There's no question about it. But I think the laughing or humor balances it out. It's very important. Yeah. And that is what I say, the spiritual side, you know, of, mm-hmm. of your, you know, as you were thinking in a letter, do you have, did you have some kind of spiritual connection? Well, the sense of humor that yes. you're using, the laughing at the problems. That's, that's part of being spiritual, you know. Yes. People feel yes. and, or they believe that, oh, be spiritual, you have to be serious. No, no, no. No, you have no. To be open. You have to have fun. Yeah. No, I always, um, and my religion took me through some very difficult times, too, I can tell you. And I can't tell you how many times I've said, um, you know, I told you I went to Al-Anon. In fact, I met my husband today in Al-Anon, the one I'm married to now. His wife had a drinking problem. Now, I knew him, and he knew my son for years, you know, growing up because of Al-Anon. There's two funny stories there. I've got to tell you, well, not funny, but I was, you know, uh, he came to my son's first communion and confirmation and all my friends and family, and then he was divorced. People would say to me, how come you're not dating him? I said, well, when I'm not interested in him. We're just friends. And so one of my friends said, well, do you mind if I date him? I said, no, not at all. <laughs> so then one day what happened was my son was on his bicycle, and his dog, the beagle, was behind him and his friend on his bicycle. And one of the young boys on our street who had just gotten his driver's license hit him head-on with the bicycle. And I was on my way home from work. The ambulance were flying by me. The police cars were flying by me. I had no idea what had happened. I got home, and um, the dog was crying. He was going, I thought the dog had been in the fight. Make a long story short, 
my son's friends came to the front door. Are you there? Are you there? Matt's been hit by a car. Well, I tell you my heart. By this point, he was in an ambulance in a coma. Now, one of my friends called my husband, my husband today, and said, "I thought you'd want to know that um, Matt's in the hospital." And uh, I don't remember what my name is in the book because it's not my real name, but Elaine is there too. And uh, he came to the hospital and stayed there all night with me. About two or three o'clock in the morning, my son came out of the coma, and he drove me home. And that was the beginning of us dating each other. And it was so funny because when he finally um, proposed to me, he had first asked my son if it was okay. Oh, that's so nice. And then he said, <laughs> and what had his son said yeah. to that? I, and he, oh, absolutely. And so he had my son with him as he proposed to me. And then oh. my son gave me away at our wedding. And oh, my, son, nice. my son said to my husband today, he said, now listen, I want you to know there's no return on this gift. <laughs> no refund. There's no refund on this gift. Yeah. He told him when he had asked him about it, he says, I was waiting for you to figure it out. So that was a wonderful thing, you know, just waiting. Because he said to me, my husband, I knew you would not be interested in anybody unless they loved your son as much yeah. as they loved you. And I do. Yeah. And that was, Good. you know, that was so wonderful. That's it a, made all the difference. Story. Yes. What does it take to be a good mom, not if, in the eyes of the world, but to who was your son? What what does it take to be a good mom to your son that will make him feel that you are good? You mean it growing up or in their yeah, adult growing life? up, growing up. Well, maybe even one, now. Yeah, <laughs> I think up. one of the things was really sitting down and talking, you know, uh, together. Um, we had a lot of serious kind of talks. I mean, feelings and. Um, and I think that I was setting an example for him, you know, working and yeah. being supportive and uh, the family and my goals. I don't know. I think that all set goals for him, too, yeah. that he wasn't going to be a loser and drop out, you know, anywhere. He, Did you uh, seem to admire women more because he uh, was so close to you? Yes, he, 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 he does. Um, I think what he really is is very sensitive about anybody who has troubles he wants to be there for them he's gone on a lot of you know goodwill trips um hope you know um gosh what's the name of those um uh where you go and build homes for people and do he's done a lot of that um uh, volunteer work for different groups he's um uh, my I'm so bad with memories about the names of the areas yeah, that he know, went I to. I know but which one you're meaning, and I can't just say, humanity, what is it? Um, I know the name, too. I mm-hmm. have it. He's I done, he's yeah, he's done yeah. several of those, I mean, and um, it, it's it's just been a wonderful thing for him. He loves to help people. He's very sensitive about people who are needing friends and people that you know, meet him. They, he's the kind of person they feel comfortable to share yeah. their feelings with. Is there an advantage for a son particularly to be raised by a single mom? I'm thinking now, and I said so on a different show where I had a, a man who had also been raised by women, mm-hmm. and uh, he felt very, you know, harmonious about life. And uh, pres- our President Obama was raised by women, and uh, as uh, we all know, and way back, there was uh, a president in Germany who really uh, cleared Germany of all the old stuff and everything, and who was a very, very good president, uh, Mr. Willy Brandt. Right. And he was the son of a single mom, and she was a, not even a wed. You know, she was always single. She uh-huh. was not even married to the father. And, of course, in Germany at that time, that was, you know, um, a great, st- you know, an incredible stigma on him. But right. he uh, he moved ahead and he became a president at a very difficult and important time and a very, very good one, too. Right. And I think, I mean, I know the, the moms that you're talking about, they were also had their own career and, and educated. Yeah. You know, I think that makes a difference, don't you, rather than someone that just maybe, well, I don't know. Yeah. 
because they no, that's important that uh, you put a certain value on the one you are, and you do that in people's lives. You said an example eyes, that you have a position work-wise, right? And right. you're making money and so on. And yeah, just, you just set an example of saying ed- education's important, and um, maybe mm-hmm. you have more interesting things to talk about. You know, outward bound is the one I was going to say <laughs> when we're talking oh, yeah. about working. <laughs> And what yeah. was, he also went on when there was a hurricane in, where was that hurricane? Guatemala? No. Anyway, um, he's done a lot of, you know, uh, work in Turkey when they had the um, earthquake. He went out there and helped build oh, homes see. and okay. fix homes and all that. Yeah. So he's traveled a lot. He's been all over yeah. the world. He's Is he in touch over. with his, uh, no, his father died. That's right. Yes. But wasn't in touch with his father during the years when he uh, was you know, grown up? There were some times, but the drinking got really bad with, you know, when he'd be getting. In fact, it's interesting to say that because maybe about three years ago, three or four years ago, his father called him, and he was all excited because they had a very long conversation. Uh, And he called us and said, oh, you know, it was the first conversation he's had with him where uh, it it was just wonderful, and he thought it would go on. Well, I think two weeks later, this father called him, and he was drunk and nasty, and so that was kind of the end of it. But when he was dying, we did spend he did spend time with him. He was in a coma, but he was holding his hand, and yeah, it was he sad. had the sense of uh, of a father in a way. So he, yes. he had a relationship that that's yes. great. Yeah. So it's uh, right. interesting how life um, revolves, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So uh, now um, I think here that research has uh, shown that there's some kind of myth about fatherhood, that uh, it's not that important to the children if they have a good mother around them. Yes. Uh, And that's what we all believe. So uh, people out there who come from families where you have the mom, uh, and not the father, and I say that to my grandchildren, no, you're okay, you know, and they think so too, they are okay mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that, so uh, they shouldn't feel that they're missing out on anything. How no. is it, did you have grandparents uh, around? No, not around me, no, uh-uh, Mm-mm. that, um, well, when you say, um, to help out or to, to go and visit no. or anything like this. No. no, you see, and that was the thing that um, when I, I I grew up in the Boston area, you know, and then once I moved out, my family was still up there. And uh, so at one time, I mean, my sister, when I started this uh, my last uh, career, uh, I needed to go through a training program myself, and I did bring my son up to my sister's house. So I have close relatives. Like, we'd go vacation with my sister and her husband. Uh, they always included us, always. So you know, we, he had a good sense of family in a way. Yes, I did, absolutely, yeah. and I'm still close. And that's what, what is nice to have. Yes. So we only have uh, a couple of minutes left here, and Elaine uh, started, if you can... Mention your website again and the name of your book again. And uh, I say it's a very nice book. It's something well, that you can really read. It's a good, uh, how shall I say, easy, nice book to get through. Well, that's and I mean very that as a compliment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to, to hear that you did enjoy it. <laughs> and it is, again, it's titled Moms, M-O-M, plus the word. And Silent No More is the subtitle of it, but it's by E.M. Stoddard, S-T-O-D-D-A-R-D. It can be ordered um, anywhere at Amazon.com, Barnes & Nobles. Any of the uh, bookstores can order it. There, it's available. And the website, if you want to see it and read a little bit about it, first of all, is web, W-E-B, dot me, dot com forward slash mom's the word m-o-m-s-t-h-e-w-o-r-d that we got it and i would love very much for you to get it everybody and read it (laughs) it's a good gift book something you can give us a gift without feeling that uh, people are not going to read it they are going to read it (laughs) oh great and they'll get a lot of laughs like i say live through some of the real life uh, 
trials and tribulations and get some laughs out of it as well. So thank you very much. We only have 25 seconds left, well, and this is Helena Steiner-Hornstein, www.speakingtoyourheart.com, and you are when, welcome back next week at the same time. Thank you all. Thank you, Elaine, for being with, my, with me today, being my guest. Thank you for listening, and goodbye, bye-bye, world yes, out there for so being much. with us. Thank you. It's been a treat. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.